Hello, and thank you for tuning in to New Glasgow Christian Church. My name is Stephen Weatherby, and I'm the pastor here at NGCC, a small rural church with a big heart located in central Prince Edward Island, Canada. We're so glad that you could join us. Matthew 9, verse 36, uh, it says about Jesus that when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So without Jesus, we are all like lost sheep. We're wandering around in the wilderness. We're unaware of the dangers that surround us, uh, the wolves that stalk us, waiting for a chance to sink their teeth into us. Uh, And this is why we need a shepherd. So shepherd is our theme this week. It's a huge theme, and our verse that this theme comes from is a very familiar one uh, to everyone, whether you are a Christian or not. Uh, Psalm 23. If you've ever been to a funeral service in your life, you've probably heard this verse. So we're mostly going to focus on verses 1 to 3. That's our core verse this week. Uh, So if you've been doing the memorization, this is another freebie for you. Uh, Verses 1 to 3, or the first part of 3, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. So shepherds, uh, the, the imagery of the shepherd, the metaphor that they represent in terms of God and Jesus and in church leadership, it's one of the most interesting illustrations in Scripture. This psalm, Psalm 23, was written by King David, who we've been talking about quite a bit the last month or two. He's kind of weaved his way into all of our uh, messages. King David, of course, was a shepherd before he became a king. Now, being a shepherd was a lowly job. David was the shepherd in his family because he was the youngest child. He was the youngest son of Jesse. And so, in fact, his, his rank in the family amongst his brothers was so low that when the prophet Samuel asked to see Jesse's sons to decide who would be the next king of Israel, David was not even invited to the meeting. Being a shepherd was a smelly, long, hard, and thankless job. They were not known necessarily for their skills and talents among the rest of society. And yet despite this, God raised up David from his role as shepherd and made him king. And despite this, we see this metaphor and this illustration of shepherds and sheep all throughout Scripture. And that's what's so fascinating about this metaphor is that it's used time and time again as an illustration of the true and proper model of leadership and shepherding, both in how pastors or elders should lead in the church, but also to refer to God and how he acts as a shepherd for all of us. So sheep are also a great metaphor for us, I think, uh, as followers of God, uh, because sheep, uh, like us, can be a little dumb sometimes. Uh, They can be a little helpless. They can be prone to make the same mistakes over and over. So we're going to look at Psalm 23 today, and we're going to kind of examine this imagery of sheep and shepherds. Uh, But before we do that, we're going to talk a little more about the bigger picture of how they're portrayed in Scripture, just briefly. Uh, There's three main things that shepherds do in Scripture. First of all, shepherds are meant to lead their sheep. They know each one of their sheep, and their sheep know their shepherd's voice. And, And we talked about that, I think it was, gee, I think it was two years ago now, Uh, In 2021, in the summer, we did a series of messages called I Am. 
We went through the I am statements. So when we talked about Jesus as the good shepherd, uh, we talked about how while sheep can be a little dumb sometimes, they know their shepherd's voice. They won't respond to another voice, but when they hear their shepherd's voice, the sheep will come running. They'll respond to it. And that familiarity comes over time as the relationship is built between the sheep and the shepherd. So that statement in John 10, 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, I know my own, and my own know me. So first of all, shepherds lead. Second, shepherds are meant to protect their sheep. So of course, the shepherd, um, this is their whole livelihood, they have a deep concern and care for the the well-being of their flock, both as a whole and for each individual sheep in the flock. On page 76 of uh, your guys' devotional this week, it says that leadership is no longer what you get from the sheep, but what you sacrifice for the sheep. And so, in this biblical illustration of leadership as shepherding, a leadership is selfish, or selfless, not selfish. A good leader is in it to protect and take care of their flock, not for themselves, but for those that they lead. And third, shepherds heal. Sheep can't protect themselves. They don't see or hear very well. They can't run fast. They get sick easily. Uh, And so this is another need that God fills for us as shepherd. In Revelation 7, verse 17, it says, For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So shepherds lead protect and heal. And as our shepherd Jesus does all those things for us, he leads us and protects us, and he provides for us all that we need in life. Hebrews 13 verse 20 to 21 says, Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So that's a very brief picture of this metaphor on a bigger scale. If you want to know a little more about what first century sheep herding was actually like, I recommend talking to Barry. So they actually did sheep herding in Israel. It was part of their experience when they went on a trip. So if you want to know more about it, uh, Barry would have a lot of insight about what that was like. So that's a very small part of this metaphor. Um, Today, what I want to do is rather than trying to just teach and tell you everything you need to know about how God is our shepherd, I just want to work our way through Psalm 23, verse by verse, and see what it is that God does, how he acts as our shepherd. Uh, And and so we know this psalm is used all the time for comfort during tough times in life, but there's also a lot it can teach us beyond just when we lose a loved one or someone we care about. So we're just going to walk through this verse by verse. First of all, David says, the Lord is my shepherd. So it's clear, he says, my shepherd. God wants to have a personal relationship with each of his sheep. And for him to be your shepherd, you have to see yourself as one of his sheep. You have to make him your shepherd. You have to choose to follow him and to trust in him. So the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
God desires for us to have everything we need. Of course, our definition of need is not always the same as God's definition of need. Sometimes the things that we think we need, we do not actually need. And sometimes the things that we don't even want, we need. (laughs) We talked about that a couple weeks ago in Finding Happiness, the one who meditates on the law day and night, that our hearts and minds crave God's word. So God, in his infinite wisdom, with knowledge of everything, desires for us to have everything we need. He wants us to be at peace because wanting things in the world always will leave us empty. He takes care of our needs and we lack for nothing. So when we make God our shepherd and we follow him, then we then die to the world. We shall not want. Jesus says in Matthew 6, verse 31 to 34, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need all of them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. And we sang that this morning. He makes me lie down in green pastures. So as our shepherd, God provides us with rest when we give our worries to him. He also provides nourishment for our bodies, minds, and souls. And again, we talked about God's word. But back in, I believe it was Philippians, I'm getting all my threads crossed, the different letters we did the last couple of years, um, when we talked about the peace that doesn't even make sense in the midst of our circumstances, peace that passes all of our understanding. When everything's going crazy and for some reason you can't understand, but I just feel at peace despite all these circumstances. He makes us lie down in green pastures. He gives us rest. Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30 says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And along that same vein, he leads me beside still waters. So he brings us to a place, spiritually, where we can be refreshed. We experience some of that here presently, for sure, in this life. But of course, its fullness will be fulfilled when he returns. Remember that verse a couple minutes ago we read in Revelation 7, verse 17. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. So this is actually looking ahead. It says, He will guide them to the springs of living water, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. He restores my soul. He provides us with healing. No matter what kind of hurt or pain or trauma you have faced in your life, there is healing. Remember the week we talked about the fall, uh, week three. Uh, Week three. Uh, We talked about the fall. We talked about the consequences of sin. How there's consequences that don't just affect me, but there's also consequences that affect others. My sin affects other people. And my sin also has cosmic implications. It affects the world around me. So there are consequences of sin beyond what we can see. And there are consequences you may experience that are not at all related to what you have done. You can experience the consequences of other people's sin. We were never made or designed 
for the kind of brokenness that we experience every single day. There's dark elements of our lives that we were not intended to face before the fall. And so Jesus, as the one who restores us, he is the beginning of the freedom and restoration from that brokenness. He restores our soul to the way it was meant to be. In Luke 4, verse 18, Jesus quotes a prophecy from Isaiah. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And then he says, Today this prophecy has been fulfilled in your midst. So this is Jesus talking about himself. He restores our souls. He leads me in paths of righteousness. God wants to guide each of us in the right paths on our journey through our life, both as individuals and as the church. We're restored, we're freed, but we also still have a calling that we have to fill. It says he does this for his name's sake. And his purpose is that for each of us, individually and as one body, that we would honor his name with our whole lives. Listen to these words from Psalm 113, verses 2 to 4. It says, Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. So his name is above all. And then we get to this part that we always, uh, it's one of the main reasons that we use this for funerals. It says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. This line is the reason why everyone, whether they are Christian or not, has heard this psalm at some point in their life. And it's certainly appropriate for that use. Absolutely. But this verse is also about more than just death. And we kind of lose that a little bit in the translation to English. Because these words can also be translated as the valley of deep darkness. Now, taking the death piece and putting it aside, the valley of deep darkness, that is something I am sure we have all been able to relate to at some point in our lives. That we've all experienced at some point. But even though we may live in those seasons in our lives, God is still our shepherd. He still leads us. Remember the promise that Jesus gave us before he ascended into heaven. In Matthew 28, verse 20, he said, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So even though we experience dark seasons in our lives, even though we may be in the pit of despair or depression, David says, I will fear no evil. As followers of Jesus, this is a joy that we share. We never need to be afraid of evil in the world because we know we have the inside uh, scoop that evil and sin has been defeated on the cross. And so we know God is greater than whatever we're facing. 1 John 4 verse 4 says, Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So whatever is going on in our lives, we know that it is temporary, that God has already won. I think 
Uh, the phrase that you hear all the time is that the, the war is, the battle is still raging, but the war is won. And it says, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So God will always be with us. We're, we're never alone. And as our shepherd, God knows the way back to the green grass and quiet water. He can protect us from whatever might be hunting us. A shepherd's rod and staff served many uses. Um, the staff, of course, you've probably seen uh, in, in a Sunday school play or maybe a Christmas uh, concert, like the, the long rod with the, the crook at the end um, that you can kind of use to hook the other kids if you're bad like I was. Um, and they would also carry a club. It was almost like a billy club that you'd beat whatever wolves or whatever would come and attack. So these would serve many purposes. They'd be used to count the sheep to make sure they were all accounted for, to defend the sheep from predators, to work the wool so the shepherd could check for injuries, to guide and correct any sheep that wandered off, and use that hook to rescue a sheep that was just out of reach that could not be recovered. So as if, again, in this illustration, if we're the sheep and that is God, our shepherd, these tools comfort us because it means he will always defend us, he will always protect us, he will always take care of our well-being, and he will always come for us to save us and rescue us. We're never alone with God as our shepherd. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So not only will he protect us, but he will abundantly provide for our needs when we encounter opposition or challenges. You anoint my head with oil. God will honor you and bring dignity to you. He doesn't have to do that, but he wants to. Now this isn't anything like the anointing of a king. You know, we've been talking about that a bit with David and, and Saul uh, and Jesus. Um, this anointing with oil, this isn't uh, anointing a king. It's a different Hebrew word which means to make well or to heal. It's more medicinal. So think more along the lines of he applies a healing balm to your wounds. In other words, God as our shepherd wants to heal our wounds and make us well again. My cup overflows. God's abundance is unending. He gives us more than we need. He takes joy in providing for his children and for his sheep. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. So God promises his blessing to us wherever we go. His goodness is with us even if we are in an unfamiliar place or situation. And, and you know, it, it's hard to, to see this kind of thing when you're in a really tough spot in life. But we also have to remember that blessing and goodness in God's eyes is not always the same as the world. Um, you know, in, in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he says, blessed are you when they persecute you and falsely say all kinds of things against you because of me. That doesn't sound like a great thing to me, but he says you're blessed when that happens. The circumstances of this life, including the deep darknesses, they're all temporary things. We have a home forever where we will experience that goodness and mercy for eternity. We will live in the house of the Lord forever. 
So God is our shepherd. Looking at this psalm, he supplies us, he sustains us, he satisfies us, he guides us, he heals us, he secures us. Isaiah 53 verse 6 says, All of us like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own ways. Yet the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So if Jesus is the good shepherd, and this is what it means that he is our shepherd in this psalm, if we have all gone astray, if he has been slain for our wrongdoing, and we have chosen to follow him and make him our shepherd, then that means we need to trust him as our shepherd. We need to trust that he knows what is best for us. We need to let him lead us. And that can be hard sometimes because we like to have control of things. And we need to rest in his protection. So as we conclude this morning, I want to read that verse again that I began with from Matthew 9, verse 36. It says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And so, again, it's another one of those themes that um, you can see how it kind of strings through Scripture like a thread, and the more we continue, the more you're going to see this one too all through Scripture uh, and how that imagery travels all the way through till Revelation. But it says he had compassion because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. So that was us. We've seen the kind of shepherd that God is to us. You've experienced, if you have given your life to Jesus, you've experienced his shepherding in your life. So what do we need most from him as our shepherd? We need to know that we are in a relationship with him, to know that he can supply your needs, to find rest in him, to experience healing from him, healing of our souls, to accept his guidance, to be aware of and comforted by his protection and presence, and to share in his blessing. So I'll close with these words from Psalm 95, verses 7 to 8, which says, For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Thanks for tuning in. We hope that this week's teaching was a blessing and an encouragement to you. If you live in the New Glasgow area, we would love for you to come and join us for our Sunday gathering. For information on service times, location, and more, check out our website at ngcc.ca. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening and have a great week.